When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Ellis. Before we get into today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast, I want to tell you how you can get signed up for Football Insider. Visit cleveland.com slash browns and click the blue banner at the top of the page. That'll give you exclusive access to content, a daily newsletter, and insider text messages from myself, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Scott Pascoe. Everyone expects this to be a memorable Brown season. Make the most of it by becoming a Football Insider subscriber. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams. I'm joined as always by our collection of Cleveland Browns beat reporters, Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Maurice, Dan Lobby, and Scott Patsko. We have a ton to get into. The Browns just lost 47-42 to the Los Angeles Chargers in a thrilling game back and forth. The fourth quarter felt like it took forever. Uh, 35 plus points scored in that quarter, I believe. And this was a, a game that saw offenses total nearly a thousand yards and a defense that we thought the Browns had a top 10 unit. And then Justin Herbert has their way with them, especially on third and fourth down. So y'all, I want to start here because I think there's a lot of different ways we can go with this. Why did the Browns lose this football game? Does anyone the refs don't know, the refs don't know what pass interference is. That's one of them. Start there. I knew Doug was going to start there with the PI call. Was it that atrocious? I mean, why? A team- uh, was it that atrocious? The offensive guy grabbed it. It was a fourth and four that kept the touchdown drive alive. The offensive player grabbed the defensive player. I, everybody listening to this, watch the play. It's one of the worst missed pass interference calls I've ever seen. Ever it's seen. Un- okay. It's unbelievable. The def- I don't even know what the, what the defensive guy did. Did he grab anything? The offensive guy grabbed the defensive guy's jersey and they called defensive pass interference. So also a questionable holding call on Treader. Um, this was not a well officiated game. I didn't remember that. I didn't remember that pass interference play ending in a touchdown. That's where I'm at. It was Baker- fourth and four. It's a fourth down throw. It's a throw that they make looking for a bailout call, and the refs give it to them. It wasn't a touchdown, but if they don't call it, the Browns get the ball. So, like, I don't remember it being a touchdown. Well, it should have been a change of possession. So, like, okay, then the Chargers went in. It's like a fifth down. It was egregious. It was not like normal in the field of play. Hey, you know what? Every now and then, that's a play. It, it was horrible. It was horrible, and it gave the Chargers points. So, I don't know. Like, that's not – we don't have to pretend that, like, oh, let's not talk about the refs. Awful. I don't, I don't think we want to just start off saying that the refs are the reason the Browns lost the game. When the game, like – so many points, so many big plays. It's easy to you can pick out a handful that you know were huge in deciding the outcome of this game. The OBJ drop, you know. Um, so the refs are wrapped up in that, but I think we should maybe uh, be clear that we're not trying to say. Maybe Doug is. I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, well, I agree I it was not well officiated, but I'm not saying that they're the reason they lost. To, to Doug's point, I will say that 
clearly the Cleveland Browns agree. This was the most I've seen from head coach to players criticize uh, the officiating after a game, even the, the final uh, Hail Mary that they're looking for PI calls. So to me, I would ride that line. Like, is this excuse making? Is it accurate? And then there's always that, but well, we shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. And that's where I always seem to land. You, you know, these plays are made on the field. And like you said, Scott, and the game was so many yards, so many points, so many opportunities on fourth down for the Browns to get off the field. I think there's, more uh, accurate ways we can go with this rather than, you know, one PI call. Cause at the end of the day, Justin Herbert makes a play and gives the guy a chance down the field. And, and those calls happen. No, no, that's wrong. No, Justin Herbert does not give a guy a chance and he makes a play. The offensive receiver grabbed the defensive player and they called a foul on the defensive player. Like I'm not to talk about this in like the normal, I, I understand we don't want to be a 40 minute podcast on this, but to act like this is a normal give and take of NFL football, it was egregious and it kept alive a touchdown drive that allowed the chargers to tie the game with nine minutes left. So that now the Browns might've gone three and out and punted it back and the Chargers would have driven down the field, but like it was horrible. So that's all. When, can, when we all ball- can we go around the horn? It's horrible. We all agree. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. Okay. It's all horrible. We agree. It's a missed call, but all I'm saying is when you're balling like Justin Herbert is, you know, in NBA terms, you get calls like that sometimes. And the, the kid was on fire. No, that's wrong. It didn't matter. They didn't give that call because Justin Herbert, boy wonder, threw it up. They gave that call because it was incompetent. It was ridiculous. Okay, I'm done. Both reasons. <laughs> so you yeah. think you think if if Chase Daniel throws that ball up, well, they don't they don't they let Mike Williams. They don't call it. That's all I'm Chase saying. Dan- Chase Daniels isn't in that position to make that throw. I mean, that, this kid is bailing out of pressure and making incredible plays down the field to put his team in a position to draw a call like that. I that just, was I not one of them. I, that I was not an incredible play. Listen, we're going to go off the rails and turn this into a referee discussion. And the reality is that a terrible call. It should have ended the drive. There have been worse calls. There have been calls that have ended games that have happened at the ends of games. There are, team, there are teams that have gotten screwed worse than the Browns did on that call. I, I, I just think turning this into a ref discussion takes away from everything else this game was about. So I think, I mean, let's just all agree it was a bad call. The Chargers turned it into points. There were a million points in this game. Like, you, you just have to live with it. You just deal with it. And that, that, that's what happened. I mean, the game didn't end after that play. So it was a bad call. It, it was a bad call. The Browns should have gotten the football. Maybe the game turns out differently, but that's not what happened. And so I just, I think doing a 40-minute pot on the refs is kind of, then besides, that's, more, that's more egregious than the call itself. Besides the <laughs> one bad call, why did the Cleveland Browns lose this football game today? Greg Newsom shouldn't have gotten injured, so A.J. Green was out there on that bad call. They got they they were in their depth today. Kevin Spansky was saying it all after the game. They were in their depth. But AJ Green was good. AJ Green was good today, most of the time, much of the time. Mary Kay, we haven't heard from you yet. You know what? I I think that. um, I mean, I actually think that all the ins and outs and all the issues that they had on defense and all the injuries that they had. When you're going up against a quarterback like Justin Herbert, you don't want to be rolling through. Uh, a bunch of different defensive backs. Malik McDowell was in and out of the lineup. Denzel Ward left the game. Davian Clowney wasn't in the game. They didn't have their full complement of defensive guys. And in a game that is this absolutely close, I do think that that probably could have been the difference had you had a couple of your best guys. You were without a number of your defensive starters in this game. Uh, Greg Newsom. 
Denzel Ward leaves, Jadavian Clowney. I mean, let's think about that. I mean, if you thought you were going to get into a shootout like this, would you want to do it without three, four, five of your best guys on the field most of the time? So in, in my mind, in a close game like this, that's probably, that was probably the difference to me. Yeah, I think it was Miles Garrett who even kind of alluded to that. You know, they didn't have the same amount of talent on the field mm-hmm. as the Chargers did. So it sounds like the Browns proved a lot today then. I think they did. I think they did. Yeah. No, I think they did. In what areas? What impressed you guys? Because they were, they were the thinner team today, and I thought Kevin Stefanski had a very stout game plan and a way of protecting his tackles and making sure Baker Mayfield bounced back. Offensively, I thought this was one of Kevin's better games until that last third, third down call, which I know we're going to get into. Just very quickly, I think to go back-to-back weeks, last week the quarterback stinks and the defense props the team up and they find a way to win. This week the defense is injured as all get out, as you guys just said. Let's Justin Herbert go up and down the field and the off props this team up and gives this team a chance to win. That's what a winning football team does. You can win different ways. You can take on different styles of opponents. You can hang every week. If Baker Mayfield had come out here and stunk the place up right now in a loss, people would be going crazy. And that was on the table, and he didn't do that. The offense was perfect, but, man, they went toe-to-toe when they had to with the high-powered offense. And so I do think these back-to-back games to get out of here one-and-one with two completely different style of games, I think shows that the Browns are a complete team and how far they've come. Yeah, I mean, I think with a running game like that and with the defense like they have when they are a full complement of themselves, when you've got Davey and you've got Denzel and Greg and now we know Greedy can play, uh, you know, when you've got all those guys back, it is going to be really, really tough uh, to stop this football team. They ran into a really good, good quarterback today. That's a heck of a quarterback there, Justin Herbert. My goodness. Uh, I'm very, very impressed by him. He was as advertised. He looked fantastic. I, he really did. I mean, he, he was phenomenal. And I, I've always said this, a really, really good quarterback can cover up for a lot of ills. I mean, they had some issues going on there today. Uh, and, and the way that we saw Joe Burrow do uh, in that game in Cincinnati last year, that's what these really amazing good young quarterbacks do. The Browns, they've got a really good quarterback. I don't think they have a Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes quarterback. They've got a good quarterback. They've got an amazing running game, and they've got a really darn good defense. Yeah, Ellis, I'm glad you brought up Kevin. I I think today was very much – his scheme stood out today. Mm -hmm. Um, He really – you know, coming out in the 13 personnel early, I mean, almost exclusively on that first drive, if not the entire first drive, you know, running the football, they, they decided to run the football against this team, which, you know, we've seen in, in early in games, they've kind of tended to want to pass in the first quarters and they decided they were going to pound the football a little bit today. Um, the way he was getting Baker out, out of the pocket on rollouts. I mean, this, this was the scheme at its best today and Baker will take advantage of it. Um, you know, that, that, that's kind of what stood out to me. I thought this was a very good game by Kevin. And I know we're going to get into some of those decisions late. Doug, you mentioned the run play. 
I have questions about now. I don't. I don't think it came back to Costa, but I have questions about him not going for it in, in one situation, uh, ma- making me wonder, kind of what what he might trust Baker to do. Um, but I, I thought Kevin coached a, a very good game to sort of help Baker bounce back and help this offense kind of find itself. And in terms of that that late third down play where they ran it, he he was asked about that, and he said the tackle situation had something to do with that. He didn't want something disastrous to happen backed up that far. Um, I think Baker mentioned, you know, well, Kareem Hunt broke one <laughs> last week before halftime. Maybe that could have happened again. But um, I know Doug probably has more thoughts on that. But that's, that's, what, that's what Kevin, that's kind of like an excuse that he gave for maybe being a little more conservative than the attacking but, Stefanski were kind of used to. But, but let me ask you this, because I think we saw a stark contrast then. And, and- – when you have Blake Hance and James Hudson playing tackle, it does affect what you do. But I, I think there's moments where you've just got to trust – you've got to be able as a coach and a play caller to trust your quarterback. Like, it's a bad situation. It, well, well, was it third and nine? Or – Yeah, third and nine. Yeah, I think it was third and nine, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like you've got to trust your quarterback in those situations. And we saw on that one drive – that the Chargers had when they went for it for fourth on fourth down in their own territory. Uh, they went for it on fourth down again. I mean, this was like the, the fourth down. This was the analytics bowl here today. Uh, but, but we saw the Chargers over and over again. We saw Brandon Staley really trust his quarterback in those big moments, those fourth down moments. Again, going for it in their own territory. Um, and I think there were times when I, maybe it's not fair, but I think there were times when you wonder, why, why didn't Kevin just kind of trust Baker to go make a play in certain situations? I mentioned the uh, – I'm going to try and find the player. There was a fourth down that I thought, kind of based on how the Browns played this game and how aggressive they were, I almost wondered why they sent out the punt team. They were kind of near midfield. It was like fourth and seven or fourth and eight. And I thought you maybe had an opportunity to go for it and keep a drive going, kind of punch back at, at the Chargers a little bit, and they decided not to do that. Um, so, so I think there's – Maybe it was just the tackle situation, but I do think there's a contrast there to what Brandon Staley trusted Justin Herbert to do. See, well, kind of moments when Kevin Stefanski could have trusted Baker Mayfield. I also think in this game, they absolutely 100% wanted to take advantage of a really crappy run defense. And I think they felt that a run play, that you could hit a home run just as easily with a running play against this bad defense – this bad run defense, uh, as you could hit a good pass play against their much better pass defense, which is ranked fifth overall in the NFL and designed to really stop the explosive plays and the big plays. I think they really that Kevin felt that they would have a, a just as good of a chance of converting a third and nine. Hunt running the ball and getting, you know, arms and legs flying all over the place like he does uh, as they would a pass play in, in that situation because they, they're, they're just horrible against the run. I don't think he would have tried that against the Bears. I don't think he necessarily would have tried that against the Vikings. I don't think he tried the Steelers or the Ravens. But this defense, I think they're, that was the thinking behind it. It's, they're bad. We can hit a home run with a running play on third and nine. Then to me, then why mention the tackles? Because to me, 
again, as Dan said, this was one of the better, probably Kevin's best coaching performance of the year. You saw his fingerprints all over the game plan. The moment we started seeing sprint out away from Blake Hans and, and Baker rolling right in a, in a move the pocket type of situation, uh, you just knew that, all right, Kevin Stefanski and this offensive staff really understood what their limitations were going to be, what the strength of the Chargers defense was, and it didn't hinder Baker Mayfield all game. You know, he throws for over 300. He has a 72% completion percentage, two touchdowns. And <clears throat> Kevin has the same data available to him that, that we do at this moment in the game. And before that third and nine, Baker had been sacked once and, and hit once early in the game. So when you then – say that we didn't trust our tackles so we're going to run despite Baker Mayfield being kept clean all game to me that feels like a shortcoming it sounds like a shortcoming because you prepared you prepped and then you executed your game plan all game and when it came down to it you then fold to a fear an irrational fear that you were protected against all game anyway it it just seemed like a moment where Baker had a probably had a quick game opportunity and you can move the sticks and keep going. And then by the time they got the ball back uh, to end the game, they were, they were just doing short check down stuff and not moving the ball downfield. They, they are not a team that's designed to score quickly. Kevin knows that and giving the ball back to a chargers offense that had scored four straight touchdowns and went down to make it five uh, really put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, I, I don't know. Can you believe too much in your run game? Like if some part of it is like, well, we think we're so good running it, we'll run it on third and nine. I think maybe like, like maybe you're believing your own hype too much because like I know Kareem Hunt ran whatever it was and picked up the first down on a huge run last week, but that's not how it normally goes, right? No matter how good you are, you don't normally run it on third and nine. So I just think I, – I just wish – Where's like the bootleg tight end throwback? And oh my God, the guy's so wide open, right? Like, where's the little thing? Where's the little guaranteed? We know Odell's going to win off the line and a quick slant and boom, there's 11 yards, right? That, and that, but that whole drive, they run the ball with Kareem on first down. He runs like right up Austin Hooper's butt for, for one. Like it, the first run play like didn't work very well. Then second down, it looks like Baker has a quick out to people's Jones for like seven yards. If he wants it, he doesn't take it. Then he holds the ball and he ends up trying to hit Higgins and it's not very good. And now you're in third and nine. I just thought the whole, like right when you needed it, the whole drive, it's like they look so good so often. It was like, man, those two plays sucked. And now here comes third and nine and now you're going to run it. And it's like that, in that moment, that was the best. This this offense that had scored 42 points and had gone up and down the field toe-to-toe with Justin Herbert in crunch time, those were your three plays. For real? Well, that was the best you could do. And whether it's the play calls or Baker not making a throw or somebody missing a block or Kareem not, I don't know what it was. But those were three crappy plays, man, right when they needed it. And it's a bad, again, there, it was a 57-minute effort, and then they lost. Well, just remember, and I said this a lot of times, down the stretch last year, they did not play the best defenses in the world. The final game, they played uh, the B team of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They – there are some more challenging games that are happening this year. And therefore, a, a, a second-year head coach, might you might see a few more play-calling mistakes that might stand out to you a little bit more than they did down the stretch in a season in which they were not necessarily challenged by some of the really 
brilliant. I mean, Brandon Staley is a really good coach. Uh, there were there were times last year when it was it wasn't as difficult as it's going to be at times this year, and so therefore there might be these little head scratchers, and we didn't have as many of those last year at times, especially in the second half of the season. I mean, Brandon Staley gave up forty two to a team with no left tackle, so I don't know. It wasn't. I mean, this wasn't. This wasn't a top five defense in the league. I just, I mean, I get it. They scored a bunch of points. You can't, you don't score every drive. I get it. It was just like, I, I couldn't, nobody could believe that was the three plays that happened with the game on the line. It's just, it's just yeah. like disappointing at the end of a great, an otherwise great day. Yeah. And, well, and I, I think they're struggling to get, they're struggling to get explosive pass plays just in general. I mean, the Najoku play today was like, Oh, what was that? We haven't seen that. And that, you know, I mean, some charger safety tries to tackle David Njoku by throwing his shoulder into him. I don't know what he was thinking, and Njoku just runs him over and takes it to the end zone. Uh, they can't get anything going with any consistency down the field right now in the pass game. And, and I think that's – as great as this run game is and as much as you love seeing all those explosive run plays, it's just such a – that's a tough thing to rely on. That's a really tough thing to rely on to count on – no, I'm not talking seven or eight yard runs to talk to count on getting 15, 20 yard runs with consistency, even as good as these two guys are. Can I ask well, this question real quick? We know, I know what the answer is. Why is Kareem Hunt in the game instead of Nick Chubb there? It's because Kareem Hunt's better in the past game and it gives you an option, but you didn't throw it to him. You ran it twice. No, Nick Chubb's definitely not in the game. Nick 161 yard Nick Chubb is just definitely not in the game. With the game on the line, like that's just where we are because Kareem Hunt's more flexible. Is that officially where we are? There's no doubt that is not Nick Chubb time. Sorry, we're going to hand it to Kareem Hunt twice. Pretty much. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's cool. We're cool with that. Everybody's cool with that. I'm cool with that. I'm actually cool with that. Are, are, you, talking yeah, that, about the, are you talking about the drive? Which one? The one that started at 315? Yeah. I, th- I think there's a case to be made. If you're going to run the ball, there's a case to be made to have Nick Chubb on the field. I mean, Kareem Hunt's first, run, Hunt's first run in that drive, he tried to cut back, and Hans was right there and basically blocked him. Like, Blake Hans was playing edge defender for the Chargers on that play and just snuffed that out. And Kareem Hunt goes down for, I think he might have lost a yard, or maybe he gained one on that play. Um, but when you were listing things, where where – things were Doug I was waiting for you to say where was Odell two catches for 20 yards um something to get him loose and running in space would have been great at some point in the final three minutes um but I know he had a huge impact on Richard Higgins touchdown everybody went with Odell and Higgins just went by himself into the corner and he impacts the game like that but man you see these other teams that you know, Justin Jefferson, whenever they need a big play, they're throwing it to him. Whenever they need a big play here, you got Williams or Keen Allen. And I know Jarvis isn't out there, but like Odell is on this team for those moments and yeah. they just seem to keep passing it by. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be writing about a little bit about that tonight because I mean, it is just absolutely bizarre that this was the seventh game between Baker and Odell where they have 20 in the twenties in yards of production together. It's the seventh time that's now happened between those two. It only happened twice in his 59 games in New York. And he only had three targets. 
he kind of disappeared after the, after the big drop. I mean, that was so unfortunate because obviously everybody's waiting to see what these guys do together. And he drops an easy flat pass. that would have gone for a touchdown. I mean, like it was so bizarre. And he, you know, you know that he's really bummed out about that. There were times when he just wasn't on the field at all either. Right. I mean, I don't know how many snaps he's going to end up having, but it just seemed to me like he just disappeared in, in a lot of situations. I don't know what that was all about. Did you guys kind of feel the same way? I don't know what his snap count was, but it didn't seem to me like it was what it was in the first two games back for him. He's become an afterthought. I mean, they're, they're, they're not looking for him. They're not designing uh, go-to plays for him. I mean, we are only one week removed from, you know, his red zone chance and, and, a, and a dagger opportunity. Uh, but perhaps, you know, after that drop, Kevin just moves on from him like he's any other player. And are there repercussions of that? I don't know. That's really the, the gravitas that is Odell Beckham Jr. That if it's a regular receiver, we're not talking about this, but it is Odell. Uh, but when you see a target number that low, Mary Kay, you're talking about a snap count that's probably going to be lower than anticipated. It just becomes a, a cycle uh, of, all right, Odell is not working and he has become an afterthought in this run first and run second offense and, you know, throw to tight ends in the quick game. That's about all they have. Baker Mayfield can throw outside balls and back shoulders, but as this passing game, the intermediate, the, the in-breaking routes, if those are absent, the quick slants, the things Odell does so well, this team doesn't do those things well as just a passing team as a whole. And I think in this game, this team takes away – uh, the keepers in the boots. Did it? Say, I mean, I'd have to watch. I'll have to watch the film, but it just seems like since Brandon Staley, you know, was with the Rams, he knows the ins and outs of this offense, and I, I think there's a, a concerted effort to, uh, you know, to minimize those keepers. And did you guys feel like that showed up in this game where he just wasn't the keeper game wasn't a big, huge deal? Or maybe it wasn't noticeable. I'd have to. I'd have to, I'd, have to, I'd have to go back and watch. I felt like Baker got out of the pocket a good amount. Um, okay. I felt like there were opportunities there, but I, I mean, look. I know we hate to talk about it. I hate to talk about it, but we are barreling towards that point where we, where, and we don't need to turn this podcast into that discussion. But we're we're barreling towards that point where we need to ask the other question again. Like, What's like, the question? Is, is this ever going to work? But if they're they, the char- but the Chargers and the Browns each had 68 plays. The Browns outgained them 531 to 493. The Browns scored 42, and Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't that involved with the offense. It's like, but what is – I mean, we have to ask the question, but, like, but what if the answer is it doesn't matter? Like, I don't – like, why are we asking the question? Because for Odell's sake, for Baker's sake, or for the offense's sake? Because, yes, maybe, I don't know, maybe Odell would have been nice to get the ball to him in one of those three plays with the game on the line. But, you know, the first 57 minutes, this offense did its job, right? Baker threw for 300. Chubb and Hunt both went crazy. The tight end went nuts, right? Higgins showed up. So, like, what is – like, listen, man, he's not going to be here next year, right? I mean, he's not. He's not. He's not worth the money. It's not – whatever. But – do the best you can, but make the offense work. And if it works without them, then okay. Like, I don't – like, do we, do we have to ask the question? They just scored 42 and gained 500 yards. 
I don't know. I think, a, I think it's a valid question, Doug, for two reasons. Because you're paying him $15 million this year, and because there is a trade deadline coming up. Now, you're probably not going to be able to trade him for a lot of different reasons, but I, I do think it matters for a number of reasons, including those and also the fact that uh, at the end of the game, as Scott pointed out, you, you know, you might want your, and as you're saying, you might want your, a, a star receiver like that to come up big and, be, and you might be able to hit that guy for that big play on the game-winning touchdown drive. I mean, so I do think the question is, is a valid one. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's really probably a non-issue after this season. I, I do think the, the reason you ask it, though, and the reason the Browns have to kind of ask it is, is it tenable if these are the games that Odell is going to have for the next three months? Because, like, this, like if Rashard Higgins isn't getting the football, who cares? You know, if Donovan Peoples-Jones isn't getting the football, who cares? Odell Beckham, Mr. Personality, talks to the media once a week, you know, wants the football, powerful presence. He can – I'm not saying he can make, like, life difficult, but it is – if he's not getting the football – He's not going to be happy, and does that cause problems behind the scenes? I don't know, but that, that's the reason that you've got to kind of figure that out. But yeah, I, if, if you can get through this season without him getting the football a bunch and you're scoring 40 points a game, great. But there is that off-the-field component here where Odell wants the football, and he is a gigantic personality and a gigantic story. Listen, no if, you want the fo- if you want the football, don't drop it on fourth down. Yeah, well, yeah, that's fair. So, I, I, like, but, like, I, I don't know. You, I, don't, I don't think, like, that the o, Odell is going to, like, torpedo this season if he doesn't get the ball. It'd be nice to have a threat down the field. Listen, they threw one ball to Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz doesn't know how to catch NFL deep balls if he's covered. It, don't throw him the ball anymore unless he's by himself. He doesn't know what to do. It's fine. He's young. Maybe he'll learn. Stop throwing him the ball when there's a defender within five yards of him. He can't do anything. So – you know, it'd be nice to have a deep threat. That's what we said all last year. Listen, they functioned pretty well without a deep threat last year. It would be great. It's the next level for this offense. But they just dropped 40 and 500 on the Chargers without Odell being involved. I don't know. Like, who, who's worried if Odell's not happy? If he helps – the goal is for him to help the offense. Who's worried if he's not happy? I guess maybe Jarvis is. I don't know. Is Baker worried? Is Kevin Stefanski worried? Is Andrew Barry worried? Win as many games as you can. If they're – they're nine and three. Like, who cares if a, a receiver is not happy? Uh, do we care? Do you think fans well, care? I don't think it's going to tear the team apart, is it? No, I mean, you're not always going to play the 29th ranked run defense and be able to just rely on your running game. There, there are going to be games when, when you do need your top receivers. But, you know, when Jarvis is back, again, maybe it won't matter. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a nice game. You know, it, it, might, it might not ever work, and it might not uh, – you know, it might not be an urgent issue, but it is worth talking about. It's Odell Beckham Jr. He's taken up a huge chunk of your salary cap, and there is a trade deadline coming up. But the reason, <clears throat> sorry, the reason I really brought him up is because you're going to be in games like this and like in games like against Kansas City where you need someone to make a big play. And this team has been fortunate to have different people step up at different times in, in their wins this year. I don't know if that's a great plan for a whole season or getting into – huge games 
you have to have plays made that you're always just going to kind of find that guy. The Browns would, we would all assume Beckham would be that guy that they could go to. Like I said, like the Vikings can go to Jefferson, like, you know, like they went to Williams today. Um, the, the Browns don't have that person. We, we would, everybody thought Beckham was going to be that person, but the Browns really don't have that guy that, like Ellis brought up before, who would you rather on the field at the end of the game, the offense or the defense a few weeks ago? Who, you need a play made. Who are you throwing it to? I don't know if there's a, a person that you know you're going to have at the top of your list on this team right now. Well, he's hurt. The guy that you would throw it to is coming back. Right, right. which makes this, I think, again, this is where you are right now. Who, you know, who are you, gonna, who are you going to? And I get, I get Jarvis is that guy, but it, it speaks to a lack of explosiveness when he is your go-to big play receiver. And for this not, to, for this to continue not to work out between Odell and Baker Mayfield, it, it, you can tell that this offense doesn't work off script. It doesn't work when they need to call, you know, two plays in the huddle at the same time and, and play fast pace. You know, we talked a lot before the year about it was, this, was pace of play going to be something that this offense would mess around with this, this year. And they're clearly not, this is run first and, take what Kevin Stefanski can manufacture, which to me says, all right, you have a disconnect between a quarterback you hope is going to be paid like a, a top five guy and a number one wide receiver. And to me, the best offenses in the league are not like that unless you're the Baltimore Ravens, but they have a very different quarterback who makes those off script plays with his feet. Unlike Baker Mayfield. And, but I did oh. go ahead. Mary Kay. Oh no. I, I thought we were wrapping up. And, and before we do, I just have something I wanted to say real quick, but go ahead. No, I just, but we also said Odell's presence on the field up stuff for Higgins today, right? So he is doing something important. And in terms of like, who's the guy that the Browns are going to hit for big plays, you know, Odell won two big routes last week and Baker played the worst game of his life and yeah, missed they can't get two on the giant page. hits. But so, so again, like Odell's been back for a couple weeks. Um, has been out while Odell's been back. Baker had this weird, awful game. Odell had a drop today. It is all, it feels like a trend. Sometimes it can feel like a trend, but I think sometimes isolated incidents lined up next to each other can feel like a trend when they might not actually be a trend. So I'm not giving up on it working. And again, Scott, your point, Odell, what's the point of having Odell? Listen, his salary is his salary. They're not getting it back. Like, whatever. They have money. They're fine. His presence on the field today helped them. They scored points because Odell Beckham was on the field. So that has value. That has value, even if the ball's not going to him. So I still think it could work. But the other point is this offense has shown at least some of the time, that it can work without him being very involved. So I think there's two solutions here. And, you know, when the ball hits you in the hand on fourth down, try to catch it. Mary Kay, do you want to get your point before we get out of here? Yeah, I I have to get to the airport, you guys. So um, I'm going to have to run. If you guys want to stay on any longer, that's fine. But uh, before I leave, I would be remiss in not saying uh, Ellis – Goodbye to you. This is your podcast with us, and you've been tremendous and amazing, and I know you have a, a new and exciting opportunity that, that you're looking forward to, and I don't know uh, if anybody knows about it yet, but I just wanted to uh, thank you for everything that you, you've been, just been 
fabulous for us. And it's just been a pleasure to work with you. And thank you for everything. That means a lot, Mary Kay. Uh, it's been a blast working with you guys. You know, kind of fitting we're on here, Zoom, uh, all in different places and whatnot. Is you know, my two years here was kind of uh, disrupted by COVID, but we all uh, did great work, I thought, and really came together uh, through these wild times of covering the NFL. And I've learned so much from you all. So uh, appreciate you giving me that time on air here to say that, Mary Kay. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll second that as well, and just say that Ellis proves the fact that people from Minnesota are just the best people ever. And nice. <laughs> you know, I thought that Ellis is a big play podcaster, but you know what? I don't know if he's worth the money and he's not going to be here next year. We're going to move on without him. I don't know. <laughs> I won't be forced down drops. Oh, it's Scott. <laughs> that's fitting. That's fitting. We had the same. We had the same. Uh, love you, that, man. That's love. I appreciate y'all. Well, that's a good note to end it on. Uh, for myself, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Doug Maurice, and Scott Patsko. I'm Ellis Williams signing off for one last time. People will do great without me. Stay locked at cleveland.com slash browns. Take care. <laughs>